Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful tonight that we know how to touch you. We realize that that is such a great blessing. Father, I might not have been one of the theologians of that day. I'd been privileged to walk on the earth when you were here. No doubt I would have not been a priest or a great man or a rich man. But I find very few of those that knew how to touch you. But it was a blind man, a woman who'd spent all of her living, demon-possessed, people that was the outcast, but they knew how somehow to touch you. I pray, Father, no matter how long we've been serving you and how much we think we know, may we never forget how to touch you. And it's still so very, very simple. So, Lord, here we are again tonight, Father, doing our best with what we have to work with. But we know already that you are here. We sent you. And I don't believe you're just here in this building, but wherever your children are gathered. Maybe it's one in a home, one in a living room, two in a car, wherever they are. Under these circumstances, may the presence of God... Be there with them tonight, Lord. May you minister to those that are sick, those that are weary, those that are oppressed. Lord God, you know the needs. Father, as I came here last night and met with a young man who was in dire need, it wasn't church night. There was no deacons here. There was no one to kneel and pray with me. But Father God, as I talked with him and he shared his needs and things he was going through, and as I knelt there in my office, who showed up but Almighty God? Lord God, you moved for that young man and touched him. I didn't point him to a doctrine. I didn't point him to a theory. I never pointed him to a prophet. I pointed him to a Savior. Lord God, we ask you tonight, would you once again come? Lord, you've done it for us so many times, but I believe you desire to do it again tonight for us. To just come and meet with us, Lord, the few of us that are here and those that are gathered wherever they are. May the presence of God just minister healing, deliverance, peace, whatever your children have need of tonight, Father. We love you so much. Speak to us from your word, would you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So good to be here, isn't it, in the presence of God, and just to be able to recognize that presence. I pray that we never, ever get to a spot that we would ever fit into the category that Brother Branham preached on the unrecognized presence of God, or in the same, this very same identical situation where the Lord Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem and wept over it and said, if you would have only recognized your day. But now your house is left unto you desolate. We greet you tonight, as Brother Louis already said, <clears throat> from the church here. And we're thankful for each one that are here uh, to help us to make the 
service what it is, the musicians, deacons, trustees, brothers in the sound booths, audio booths, those that are invisible upstairs. Thank each of you for that. Um, Lord willing, we'll be um, bringing back group one on Sunday, this coming Sunday, and then Wednesday, the next group, uh, group A and then group B, and then Sunday after that, Lord willing, everybody. I know some of you may still have a little precaution about coming, and we certainly understand that. We want to just keep before the Lord. I believe that this is something that we certainly don't need to fear. I don't think God wants us to live under the fear of COVID. I don't think he wants us to live under Satan's fear. I think there's things we have to be precautious about and watch and all that. Um, but I don't believe God wants us to live under fear. Amen? Amen. Let's read, if you would, tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. We so appreciate the prophetic <clears throat> word of God. Uh, we know that God is a God of signs and God is a God of supernatural. Many signs that God uh, speaks about in his Bible are declared in the heavens. Some of them are actually declared in the secular world. They're declared by the fulfilling of things in politics, actually. Other things are fulfilled in uh, earthquakes, signs, wonders, the heavens, things like that. And then there's things that are fulfilled in the church natural and in the church spiritual. This is kind of emerging together of some of those things. For the most part, it is on the negative side of prophecy. 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I've already read you the meaning of this word perilous, and it means hard to take, hard to deal with, hard to cope with. Anybody there? Yeah, I think we all are. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Now, you know, of course, already that we're not talking about that every one of these attributes would be in every individual. Some might fulfill one, some two, some three, some four. But it is, uh, it's, it's odd in the sense of the way that Paul felt led of the Lord to take it. Uh, that he doesn't really deal with a lot of the political unrest. He doesn't choose here to deal with even some of the signs of communism, socialism, things like that. But it's all condensed in these traits of what he's going to identify. And verse 3 says, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, and verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. May the Lord bless His Word. You may be seated. <clears throat> We've looked at several of these words already but I'd like to draw your attention back to verse 3. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, which was the last one that we dealt with. And then the next one that we'd like to uh, look at for a little bit tonight is fierce. Uh, you know, there's something about God that God wants to give the people of every age an insight that they might know 
the sign and the time that they're living in. Now, for the elect of God, it will be that they can look at those things and they will be prepared. We know that for the non-elect and for those that will actually become apostates, no matter how many signs that God would give them, they will never repent. They will never come back. Actually, our nation where we are right now is because our nation is an apostate nation. At one time, our nation, we know our founding fathers coming here for uh, liberty, that we would be able to worship God and praise God according to the dictates of our hearts of what we felt that the Bible declared for us to be. We know little by little, these liberties are being taken away from us. It's yet to be seen what the new administration will do for us, however they're going to go that way. But we know that God still has it all under control. In one sense of the word, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian, they will only be able to do what God and His divine providence will allow them to do. I'm sure you, as I, uh, knowing that this is the year of the election year, that we've been praying that God would have His divine sovereign will. That may not always be what we want it to be. It may not be the man or the party that we wish it was. But even whenever it doesn't come in the way that we think it would or that we wish it could, our minds still go back to the scriptures that tell us the powers that be are ordained of God. Now, let me just say this to you. Even though a party may have won the White House that you might not have liked, it is still our responsibility to pray for those who are in there. And we are to respect that position even if we cannot respect the man or the party that holds it. Now, it's a great thing because it's easy for us in this day to throw it all in one pile and just become disrespectful of every bit of government. But remember, that is not according to God's great plan. We know that even the apostles who were living under a terrible, terrible government, but yet they admonished the saints of God to pray for them that were in the position of leadership. Why? Because God, hearing their prayers, might be able to move on those leaders' hearts and make it easier on them. Now, I don't mind telling you that I would like to leave this world as easy as possible. Come on, you feel the same way I do. So I'm going to pray with all of my heart that God's going to make it as easy on us as can be done. Yet, at the same time, knowing there's things that must be fulfilled prophetically. Now, my mind goes back when I think about where we are in the end time, reading these things and thinking, what a terrible people that it's going to be that's going to embrace the fullness of all this living in the fulfillment of all these verses. It's going to be a terrible time. I believe that we are there myself. But yet I know that these times in a small measure have existed before. In the days of the Lord Jesus, he had warned them that there would be signs of the times, that there would be signs in the heavens. He spoke of the time that was present. He spoke of the time of the Middle Ages. He also spoke of the end time. Part of it would be fulfilled when he was here. And he warned them in Matthew 24, pray that your flight will not be in the winter. Now, many people, of course, took that, the Seventh-day Adventists and different ones, and they tried to take that and be able to place a certain date. We know they did on Hamburger Mountain, Tennessee, Church of God of Prophecy, different ones. And they tried to place that 
but they missed where that Jesus was letting out increments of prophecy. So much what happened here, so much what happened here, and they tried to place it and place a date on it, and they totally messed it up when they done it. But the Lord Jesus was speaking things that would be allotted for the day that he was living in, also parts that would be allotted for hundreds of years later, and other parts that would be allotted for thousands of years later. Now when he was speaking about pray that your flight will be not in the winter, he was not speaking for us in this day. And he said pray that it will not be on the Sabbath day. Since we today do not keep one particular day called the Sabbath day. But Jesus was allocating part of that word of prophecy for when? A time whenever they would shut the gates. He said because there would be a certain time that the the gates will be shut. Well, why in the world would you pray that your flight would not be in the winter? What difference has that got to do with the coming of the Lord? But you see, with that allocation of prophecy, it was very seasonal. And we know, looking back at that prophecy, that it applied to who? That does not apply to you and I. Because why do we pray that our flight's not in the winter? We're not to pray that prayer, but it was for the first century believers because it was going to come a time that time was going to come about and compass the city and if the time was in the winter time it would be very hard for them to flee why? they didn't have a car they did not have a Bible to wait to get out of their fly they was on their feet now he said pray that your flight be not in the winter and pray that it will not be when the gates are shut what difference does that make? Why? how would that affect us? that does not apply to us but on the Sabbath day they closed the gates of Jerusalem and if that's when Titus moved in, then they could not get out. And people have tried to take that and apply that to over here and over there. It'll never work. You've got to place God's word exactly in the time frame when it works. And when you do, then it will come to pass perfectly. And it's the thing when we go to studying a prophet's message and studying prophecy. We have to be so careful because we look at things and think, well, that didn't come to pass and that didn't come to pass. God told the prophet Elijah that he was to go down there and anoint this man and to do this and to do that and if you're not very careful you will take that prophecy that God gave that man and you will look at that prophecy and you will have to call God a liar to his face because God said that prophet was going to do it but that prophet never done it well come on now I'm sorry y'all didn't know your Bible but yet God was speaking in a profound compound way that it wasn't actually the flesh of that man, but it was one under the administration of that anointing. As God told John that he would stand again and would prophesy. God wasn't talking about a return ministry of John the Revelator, but he was talking about the book of Revelation. So when we go to studying prophecy and the compound revelation that goes with prophecy, we have to be so careful to watch how it would come to pass. So, you know, they tried to place that, the coming of the Lord Jesus, and they asked Jesus three questions in Matthew 24, and Jesus answered it in a threefold way. And if we try to take all three and compound them together and apply it all to the end time, it'll be so scrupled up, we will never make it work out. But when prophecy is placed exactly in the right timeline, Isaiah 61 tells us that there 
would come a messenger, that he would be anointed with the Spirit of God. Isaiah did not tell us. Now look, I'm going to come up to the first half of this verse and there's going to be a 2,000 year span between the first part of that verse and the latter part of that verse. And you look at it and say, well, if the Lord Jesus fulfilled that, how come he didn't fulfill the last part? He couldn't. It wasn't time. But who would ever have understood that? Isaiah did not say, pause, break, stop. It'll happen 2,000 years later. He never said that. How would we ever be able to understand it? When the prophecy is fulfilled, that is the interpretation thereof. Now, the same with this here, that the Lord Jesus in telling the people of his day. Now, what's amazing is when Titus goes to gathering his army together. And of course, the Jews believing they were the called people of God, and they were, and they would run into the temple of God, which they did declare to us by Josephus. And we know that Titus actually compassed the city, and the city of Jerusalem built on a great hill. They had a water, a fountain on the inside. This is the way David went up and took it years ago. And they was able to be able to hold their food and their water. So Titus just camped out and said, fine, y'all want to stay there a year, two years, whatever it takes, I'll wait on you. And it's exactly what they done. So what did they do? They ate the bark off the trees. They bawled one another's shooting. When a person would die in the street at night, their carcass was scavenged by the hungry people. So they would go in and eat, eat their carcasses. and all. It was absolutely horrible. But remember, not one of those believers that heard the words of the Lord Jesus was caught inside that city. Now where were they? Whenever they saw the prophecy, when Jesus said the city will be compassed about with armies. Now you imagine they looked out there and they heard that Titus was coming and they remembered the words of the Lord Jesus and they were quickened, their lives were quickened to that prophecy of that day. Now other people heard the same prophecy and they probably laughed at it and made fun of it and called Jesus a false prophet. But the elect identified their lives with that prophecy and it saved them and condemned the scoffers. You see, it's the same way with our prophetic word in this end time. It will get us ready as a people because God sends a bride preparation message and it's only for the bride. And the bride will take that message, prepare her life for it. It will transform her into another world. The others will laugh, they will scoff, they'll try to understand it with a carnal mind. They'll never see the fulfillment. I don't care what they do, they never will. And the same with the scribes, Pharisees, Essenes, all of them that were great Bible scholars and theologians of that day, but did they leave? Absolutely not. Why? They called the prophet, the Lord Jesus, they called him a liar, they called him a soothsayer and a devil. You realize some of the folks that's doing the same thing to our prophet today, if they'd have lived in the Lord Jesus, they'd have been the very ones that crucified him. And I'd have been one of the very ones saying Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Why? Because no matter what time frame you would live, whatever spirit and whatever seed that you are, you'd manifest the same. If I'd been living in the days of Noah, I'd been inside the boat, I'd been out there hammering on the outside. If I'd lived in the days of Luther, I'd have been a German Reformation, whatever more, I'd have believed it. Amen? Why? Because the seed in me would have identified with the word of the day. 
Now, when we go to looking at some of this, we know that these things have, really a lot of these things have existed for a long time. It would talk about people being self-indulgent, satisfying themselves. They would be selfish, disobedient to parents, unfaithful, unholy. That'd be all of these things. But there was going to be in the last days a compounding of all of these things and they would be so horrible that they would be so notable that it would be something that would be unheard of before in any generation. Now, the one word here that I want to focus on tonight to begin with is the word that Paul used, and it was fierce. Now, it's a very unusual word. It was normally applied to situations that were very severe. It was actually applied to animals as well as human beings. What's this in Matthew 8, 28? When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergenesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. Now here is the same word that Paul used over here in Timothy to describe how people in the last days would be. And that word again is used to describe to these people that was possessed with demons. Now they were so bad and so horrible that they had moved beyond the realm of humanity. Now I don't want to scare you but listen carefully. They had moved beyond the realm of humanity and when demons get on people they can make them act and behave and behave more like animals than they really do like humans. Now we're living in that age to where this has been before we know this, but there will be such an exceeding amount and it will be so excessive. Now you watch a lot of these rock and roll concerts and you watch a lot of the things that's going on in the day we're living, a lot of the rioting and this and that, and people don't even act like people in the right mind, but they are behaving like animals. People that, you know, they beat their heads against the wall when they hear all this music and all this stuff, I can understand it. If you ever hear any of it, you can't even go to Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot. You can't even hire and go into a restaurant to sit down and just be able to enjoy a little bite to eat because of all that music they've got going on. What's it doing? It's preparing them for the tribulation period. But notice the word that Paul used and the same word here that Matthew used was fierce. So what would it be about human beings that they would become so fierce that they would become animal-like? Now, may I open this up just a little bit for you? That fierce can apply in the direction of so many things. It can go in the realm of anger. It can go in the realm of temper. It can go into an exceeding something, you know, the lust of the people in the, in the last day will become so exceeding and so perverse. Sexual lust and sexual appetites will become so perverse that it would be things going on among human beings that animals would never even think about doing. Is that right? Why? Because you take a human being with a soul and you take the spirit of God off of that human being or that human being never had the spirit of God living in them. They will behave and talk and walk and do and act in a way that the lowest animal on the earth would never do. Because a chimpanzee doesn't have a soul, a monkey doesn't have a soul, a hog, a dog, whatever you'd mention, doesn't have a soul. So when a man gets out from under the presence of the Spirit of God, he will do things that an animal would not do. 
Notice what these people in the last day prophetically would be like. Here's another reference in Luke 23, 4. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce saying, he stirs up the people. Now notice what this does. They hear from Pilate, Pilate is examining my lamb. He is examining my go-between. He is examining my sacrifice. And Paul, Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. Now whenever these people, may I say religious people, priests, Pharisees, Sadducees, all of that, and when they heard this, that Jesus was totally innocent, they didn't rejoice and it didn't make them happy, but they got more fierce. Now they were already fierce. They'd moved in this anointing of murder. What was this? It was a pre-tribulation anointing that was moving on them. Now remember, this is the year 33 and a half AD, something like that going over into 34. So there was some 30 years, 40 years later before the phase would actually start moving in the Roman Empire to where that they would be destroyed. But they were already moving because it was a dispensational change. God had blessed them and God had given them the Torah. He had given them a law. He had given them prophets and he had given them the tabernacle. He had given them a place to worship and he placed his name there in Jerusalem and it was the house of God up to this time. But now that they'd received the refuse, the God of the house, the house of God was no longer the house of God. Now, let me tell you something. That's why that we can have worship in a place like this. We've got a pretty church. We've got a nice church. Or if we didn't have a nice place like this, we could meet in a barn. We could meet in a basement. And you know what? It's not so much that this building right here is holy. Is that right? What makes it holy? It's because the presence of God comes in here that this concrete is not holy. These blocks are not holy. The sheetrock is not holy. What makes it holy? The Holy Ghost. But what also then makes it where it's rejected? Now, we could leave the word of God. We could leave the very message of the hour. We could still leave the same sign down there, the same name. Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ. My name could still be on the bottom. And we could say, well, we're no longer going to preach election. We're not going to preach holiness. We're not going to preach this and that and the other. This will no longer be a house of God. Now, we may call it a house of God, but he won't call it his house because if his word is not welcome, well, guess what? He's not welcome either. So by now, they've already started moving into that cycle, and it'll only be a few hours now that the Spirit of God will start at the top of the veil and will rent it from the top right down to the bottom, showing that God has now revealed the mercy seat. So God is no longer there, and God is no longer identified in this place. So the people are moving in this. What do we see? A dispensational change. Prophetic utterance had been said by Isaiah, by Jeremiah, by many different ones that this hour would come, that they would be blind, they would not receive him. And here they were at an end time. Now keep in mind, there's been many, many end times down through the ages, but we are at the end of the end times. You understand? We're at the end of the end times, but there was an end time to all different kingdoms, the Babylonian kingdom, you know, the kingdom of Mesopotamia, and all different kingdoms, but when we're talking about us, this is the end of it all.
So it will be the accumulation, but they were also now at the end of their dispensation with God is going to deal with Gentiles and call them out. So they are feeling this fierce anger, this destruction. Watch how Peter picks it up in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now remember, these are the apostles of the Lord Jesus. Their hearts were filled with love. We believe that. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, but they did not mince their words. They did not cut corners. They laid the truth out. If it cuts, so be it. Notice verse 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. Now this is all types of sexual perversion. In the lust of uncleanness. Notice now what he identifies that they do. And they despise government. So this is something that was ongoing in that day and it would be down through the ages but especially it will really be magnified at the end time because people will be in the life day that they will despise government. Now, I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, the government of Russia and the government of the United States and this and that, but this word is a compound word, which means the government in the church. It also means the hierarchy in the angelic realm. So it is, it is a, a very, very complicated word in one sense because it covers the whole spectrum of government from the natural government of being a mayor and being the police force and being the, the government in the church and the government in heaven but it shows an attitude. And this is why the New Testament warns us that we would pray, as I mentioned earlier, for our rulers. Because when people go rebelling against government and sending against this or that, they're not but just one step, they're just one step closer to rebelling against a God-called pastor or against an evangelist or against God. I'm against all government. You're wrong when you take that attitude. So even though we would disagree with government, but we pray for them that are in that position. It might be your prayer that would change something they're about to do. You believe that. Now notice chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Notice another adjective that he uses that they are presumptuous. Presumptuous which is bold and daring and not afraid to speak against men of the highest character. Now notice what they are. Notice this spirit now. It might have started with a mayor. It might have started with a governor. It might have started with a president or whoever more. But then they bring it right on down into the leadership of the family of God. Now I realize we're living in a day when folks think you don't even have to go to church. All kinds of folks claim to be Christians and they don't even believe it's necessary for them to go to the house of God. But remember, it was not me or Brother Louie or any of these brothers here or our sister that designed that we're supposed to go to church. It was the Lord himself. My Bible still tells me, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And that much more as you see the day approaching. And we never set up streaming here years ago so folks could become lazy and stay home and not come to the house of God. Amen, Amen, Brother Donnie. Well, I'll be there, Brother Donnie. I'm looking for you. 
Well, I'm looking for you because look, the streaming was not meant so you can keep your lazy hat at the house and sit around and eat pretzels and ice cream while we're your, oh, I'm with you, I'm with you. I don't hear you amens at home like I do when you're here though, you see. You're sitting there, you're, oh, I'm pulling, I'm pulling. Well, you may be, but I need you here. The saints around you need you here. But that is all part of this attitude toward government because God established it that there would be an assembly and there would be deacons and there would be trustees and there would be ministers and there would be all of this. This is God's government. It is the the dignities of what the Bible calls it and those spiritual places in Christ Jesus. So notice what these people would become. They would become presumptuous, are they? So they speak against God's character. Now again, we're living in that time. I don't need a preacher, you know, that move among the message, just tape on ah, them pastors, you don't need to go to church. Well, God was the one that said you do if you've got a problem, argue with him. I'm not doing it for security. Look, I can build, I can do all kinds of things for a living. I don't have to preach for a living. For those that say preachers are in it for a living, what it shows that you're a liar. It shows you don't know the truth. And for the money, I've given away more money than most of you'll ever make in 10 lifetimes. You want to tell me I'm in it for the money? Back up your, your truths. And if you can't, shut up. Praise the Lord. I know all kinds of men of God. They could have been multi-millionaires, but instead of them being millionaires, you know what they've done? They've built churches. They've helped propagate this message because they're in for money. They're in it for souls, not money. I'm interested in your soul tonight. Is that right? Your soul is the real value. But you see what they will become in the last days is presumptuous and self-willed. Notice he said presumptuous are they and self-willed. So they're pleased, so pleased with themselves and their own conceits and their own dogmas and their own ideology and their own personal view of what they are. So they are self well. I don't need no preacher. I don't need to go to no church. I can understand it as good as well. God set leaders and pastors in the church. God set shepherds in the church. And Happy Valley said... That was God's designation. And when people resist that, they're not resisting me. They're not resisting Brother Tim Pruitt or these other pastors. They're resisting God. I don't care how much they say they believe every word. They are lying. They do not believe every word of God. And they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities was the word that he used. Now the word dignity there, it's a peculiar word because it's a Greek word doxa, which means glory. In that it is a, it is a, a very compound, complex word because it speaks of those magistrates on the earth. It speaks of angels. It speaks of God himself. It speaks of the apostles. And it speaks of servants of God. So it covers a whole lot of what God is. But it's an amazing word because it's a word that is used for heavenly beings and earthly beings at the same time. So you see, when people speak against dignities in the body of God, in the church of the living God, it is reflecting their attitude toward a heavenly appointment given by God himself. Now you imagine that God could have chose a different word for a preacher on the earth, but he used the same word that he would use to describe angels in heaven, and that is doxa, and the same word about the glory of God. Exact same word. So they will 
speak evil against dignities. They will speak evil against the program of God. Oh, I don't need a preacher. I've got a tape player. I don't need a pastor. I don't need to go to church. Well, you just argued that was God. Right. Notice this. Now, you're talking about amazing verse in verse 11. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Now, here were these false teachers already then in Peter's day, and they were bringing accusations against Paul. They were bringing accusations against Peter, against John, against the, the pastors, Timothy, Titus, and the different ones in that day. And Peter was saying, do you understand you false teachers are doing what angels don't do? Now, I hope you understand this, that the angels of God will not and do not slander fallen angels. Now listen, they do not slander fallen angels. Remember whenever the argument was going on over the body of Moses? And the angel said, the Lord rebuke you. How come he didn't say himself? Now watch how they do not use their dignity and their honor, but the Lord rebuke you. Now watch here how that he said that the angels of God, which maintain their place of preeminence in the economy of God, and yet they do not slander these other angels which have fallen. And, and Peter said, and you false teachers, you false prophets, you will speak against God's dignities on earth and you will stoop to a place that heavenly angels do not even do in heaven against fallen angels. Well, I'll tell you, friends, it's a great thing to understand the dignities of God. But you see, they would not criticize even them, and they would attack, oh my, when Paul would write against them, and you've read the New Testament, you know how that Paul had to defend his apostleship because they were going around telling things about him. You know that broke his heart to have to take that time to even talk about himself and mention himself in the Scripture and he was saying things, you know, they was accusing him of being this and that and the other. And Peter said, don't you know what you're doing? You are accusing these men of God and you're bringing slander on them. But the angels of God don't even do that before the throne of God. God will not allow that slander. Oh my, if he won't allow the angels of God to slander fallen angels, what makes us think we'll get by by slandering one another? Oh my, notice this when he says this, oh goodness. Whereas angels which are greater in power bring not railing accusation against them. And railing, of course, is going on with slander and this profuse accumulation of words that you just go on and on. And God said, I ain't got no room for that. I have no time for that, don't do it. Well, if he would tell angels that, what about people like you and I? Watch this in verse 12. And he said, but these as natural brute beasts. Natural brute beasts. Now here he is calling false teachers, false prophets, animals. Oh my goodness. Now you can imagine this would go over really good in 2021. If Peter would have been a, a preacher, I cannot imagine all the YouTube videos they'd make on him, could you? Can you imagine the modern day society and all of them was all their so-called hate speech? Now, this would be considered hate speech. Praise the Lord. 
That's right. The Bible has already considered parts of it hate speech in Canada. I'm sure you know that. As well as the message itself. As a matter of fact, Canada right now is reviewing certain things that some of the lawmakers have brought up to where that if parents would try to discourage their children uh, from being gay and this and that, they can put their parents in jail for five years. That's just our neighbor north of us. So what will it be for us? Oh my. But we know that the Lord has a people that will not compromise. Why? Because we're called to stand for this truth. And what does it make people then? You take the Spirit of God off of them and it makes them as natural. Notice this word that he uses, as natural brute beasts. It's as if though it is by nature. They have no problem in manifesting this and they are lower than an animal. Notice what they're made for. Now let me tell you, he does not mince words. He does not use 2021 easy ways to get around it. He said they were made for this purpose. Made to be taken and destroyed. How can a man full of love preach such? How can a man full of love not preach such? Now watch how he looks at this. Now remember, these are the first fruits of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You believe they had the Holy Ghost, they had the love of God in their hearts, and yet he would say, as these as natural brute beasts made, they have sunk so far beneath their species. They've sunk so far beneath what humanity should be. It is as natural for them to be this way. They are tenacious. They are fierce. They are despisers of those that are good. They run down the government of God. They exalt themselves. They exalt themselves above his word, above his program. He said they're like natural brute beasts. And they are made. Notice this. Made. He didn't say they chose this on their own. They were made. For what, Brother Darrell? To be taken, which is captured. Now, Peter, you imagine, likens these people to animals in a jungle. And they are made for one purpose. Catch them and kill them. Well, it's warm in here tonight. Goodness. Come on, friends, read your Bible. Don't read your Bible with this loose Laodicean lovey-dovey stuff. Read it like it's written. These men were sharp. They were hard. They laid it out there. They cut no corners. This is what we've been restored back to. My made to be taken and destroyed. They are brutish in their behavior, in their knowledge. They're worse than a horse, worse than a mule, without understanding. Oh my goodness. They corrupt themselves and they have been given over to judicial blindness, a reprobate mind. So they are made to be taken and destroyed. You see, in a great house are vessels made unto honor and some to dishonor. The polypropylene and whatever more that was made in this plastic bottle, some of it 
may have wound up going into make a hog trough. Some of it may have wound up making a screw or some other type of heavy plastic stuff. But this one was given a place in relation to humanity. I wouldn't put my lips to a hog trough. But I would a bottle which is designated for a human to drink out of. So in humanity are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Is that your Bible? Vessels that will never see the truth. Vessels that absolutely are ordained to stand against us. Hate us. Despise us. Ridicule us. And we will stand there at the day of judgment and condemn them. Right? Why? Because they're made for this purpose. They become like savage beasts. They exercise no control over their appetites. They corrupt themselves by being of this animalistic nature. Oh my. So whatever is awful, they call good. And whatever is good, they call terrible. What's terrible? That's absolutely terrible. Why in the world would people do that? Well, because we want to. We love doing it. We love doing good just like they love eating slop. We love feeding on the word of God. Oh, but it's so hard and so stern. Yeah, that's the way the Bible was written that way. But that's the way we love it. We want a son under a man that'll tell us the truth, do we not? You see, such is the power of sin that it will transform men that could be saved into these types of human beings that are lower than animals and they will actually stoop lower. Oh my God. This type of power that will, the power of sin, that will actually transform men into beasts. The same men who worship beasts and make them idols. And yet they will be transformed themselves into a beast. Made, Peter said, to be taken and destroyed. This is a snare or to capture them. Like animals in a jungle whose only value is to capture and destroy. Oh, Lord God. Well, Brother Donnie, this is harsh. Yeah, it is harsh, isn't it? This is really harsh. And where does it come from? The Bible. And, and people don't understand why preachers preach harsh. You know why? They read the Bible through a warped version of what they think is love. They don't even understand the first base about getting to God. This is men of God inspired by the Holy Ghost. Is that right? What harsh language. But yet he wants them to know the seriousness of it. So they, Peter said that they speak. Notice, they speak evil of things that they understand not. So here are people that they hear about this and they hear about that and they don't understand it, but they speak evil of things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. My, my. You see, the ministers of the word that are an absolute necessity and requirement in the economy of God that God would use to bring people to salvation and be able to speak a greater understanding of the word of God and they will laugh and ridicule and make fun of them. 
They speak evil of those things that they don't even understand and will be destroyed in their own corruption. Friends, I wonder what Brother Branham would say. In the day and hour that we're living in, when many of the followers of this message will laugh at preachers. You ought to hear some of the preacher jokes that are told by some of these tape people. You ought to hear some of the preacher references that are made by some of these people who say they believe every word. Ridicule, laugh, make fun of God, call men. That God has worked decades on them to mold them and shape them into instruments that he can use in the harvest time. Brother Branham loved and respected the ministry so much he wanted both of his boys to be preachers. Does that sound like a man that despised preachers and wanted nobody to preach but him? Come on, somebody. The Phillips translation of this verse says, they scoff at things outside their own experience. They scoff at things outside. You see, this is why folks would scoff at the message. I don't have a hard time understanding how they can do that. They've never experienced it. Even for those who've been around it and left it now speaking against it, they've never had the same experience that I had. I guarantee you that. Now, I, I, I fed on Pentecostal shucks. I ate fried shucks, cooked shucks, refried shucks, raw shucks. Do I want any more shucks? No shucks for me, thank you. So I don't understand people leading the message of the hour wanting to go back to that vomit and that hog wallow back there because I have no desire to go back to that stuff myself. So apparently they never ate what I ate and apparently they never seen what I've seen. Oh, but Brother Donnie, you know, Brother Branham was a man. Duh, you just now finding that out? What do you figure Moses was? What do you figure a man that gets so mad that his temple would keep him out of the promised land? He was still God's prophet. What about another prophet that got so angry that he called two she-bears out of the wilderness and destroyed 42 children? He was still God's prophet. One after another after another, but God uses that kind of man to declare his manifestation and his word. I'm glad God used that kind of man. So when I look at them I can say praise God there's hope for me. There's hope for me if God could use a man like that. Oh my. You see their views their views will be the very means of their ruin. Lord God. And it renders them fit for the judgment which will come to pass. Notice in verse 20 here, let's jump down a few verses. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, and the word pollution is that which defiles, defilement, vices, that the foulness of which contaminates one in his intercourse or walk with the ungodly mass of mankind. So these are people that have escaped a terrible, terrible life of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice what happened to them. After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Are you talking about a people that were delivered they could stand and say, God set me free from drinking. 
God set me free from smoking. I used to live in, you know, with all kinds of women or all kinds of men or whatever they done. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You delivered me. Through what? Notice the word that Peter used, the knowledge, not the power, but the knowledge. Oh, God. Not the power, but the power. Not the dunamis, which will change their nature, but the knowledge. They had a knowledge of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. They knew he could save them, and they accepted him on that basis. I don't just want him to be my Savior. I want him to be my husband. I want him to be my bridegroom. I want to be his bride. He's many folks' Savior, but they will never allow him to be their Lord. Master. So you mean... That when a person walks in even a little sliver of the light and they turn from that light and go back, it's worse than it was in the beginning. Can't you see how God looks at apostasy? Apostasy, apostasy is a greater sin than the sin we were born in. Now look, these people that walked in this world, and my, we wouldn't even want people to know our past. Most of us would not. This was our original estate. What we were born into the world as sinners. Born lost, born wretched, and nobody had to teach us to lie and do wrong, but it was an automatic nature, and we started going that way. We would not want anybody to even know the things that have been in our past. And then God would deliver us from such corruption and we would actually turn and go back. Our end is actually worse That's right. than when we were born. That's right. Remember Jesus talking about Judas and he said it would have been better for this man if he had never been born. God looks at apostasy and judges it as a more severe sin than these sinners out here that are drinking, lying, running around, committing adultery, that have never even had a walk with God. Can you imagine folks that have sat in our church and sat around churches around the world that have heard the truth and walked away from that truth? Lord God, it would be worse for them than if they never even give their heart to God. They will suffer in the regions of the lost longer. They will suffer the flames. They will suffer the memories. Oh, they hate Brother Branham. They hate his voice. That'll be part of their torment, friends. Amen. Those that so hate me and despise me and Brother Darrell, every message preacher, they hate us. They absolutely hate us. Our voice will be what will condemn them. Those of you listen to this service tonight, and I know some of you will, and you'll go back and search, and you'll look for things you can find. You'll find them. But let me just warn you in advance, my puny, scrawny voice will torment you in the regions of the lost. You'll relive this service again and again and again. Remember Jesus gave the parable of the rich man? Down in hell, he lifted up his eyes. What was he remembering? Things in this life. Son, you and that other life you had this and that and the other. Oh, my brothers, my, my father. Lord, I remember. What was he remembering? Oh, God. He was remembering that life. Can you imagine those that turned down Lucifer and called him a heretic? 
Can you imagine them Catholics under the Spanish Inquisition, the Catholic Inquisition, and have got the blood of millions of people on their hands and those voices that they would stand there and my, and the blood would run out and put out the fire and they would scream and they would poke them in the side with spears. You imagine the voices of those martyrs that will haunt those Inquisition people down through the hundreds and thousands of years that they'll suffer in the regions of the lost. Lord God. Oh Lord. They actually had a deliverance and escaped a hold of sin. Brother, sister, don't you see what God can do to a man just under justification? It's a tremendous work. And the gospel which they heard, they turned away and become what? Apostate. Apostate. You see, they become, what happens? What happens to many of those folks? They always become more extravagant in their sin. That's why those that backslide away from the message, look at them. Look at what many of them do. My goodness, many of those that have left the message, some of them don't even believe in God no more. They've turned to homosexuality. They've turned to some of the grossest, some of the most bizarre things that you hear of what they're being involved in. You say, why? Fulfilling God's word. Worse for them than if they if they'd never heard. They would have never heard. They'd been so much better off just to met God as a sinner that turned down. You know, they saw a sign one day on a church sign. Something struck the heart. No, I don't want anything to do with it. And they walked before God and they stand there. God said, you turned it down. It would have been much better to met God that way. To sit in a message church, to listen to tapes, to share your testimony. Oh, thank God for the message. Thank God for a prophet. Oh, thank God for setting me free. Thank God for this and other than turn and go back to your vomit. Go back to your hog wallowing of sin. Lord Jesus, what are they like? Raging waves on the sea and they spout out their foam. What do waves do as they come and they work and they make foam on the top of the water? This is the way apostates are. They're foaming out their shame. I'll tell you what, friends, we had an Abraham Lincoln running for every mayor. If we had an Abraham Lincoln as governor in every state, if we had Abraham Lincoln going back into the White House and we had Abraham type of people in the Senate and in the Congress, our nation is so far gone they'd never turn it back. Is that true? Why? Because our nation as a whole is apostate. That was one of the first things our newly our re-elected Congress, head of Congress, did. Appoint a female chaplain over Congress. What was one of the next things she done? Make language in the Congress forbidden. He and she, him and her. Welcome to America. Don't you see? The land of the free and the home of the brave. Really? You remember the message God gave me years ago? America the beautiful, America the cursed. America the beautiful, America the damned. She's beyond redemption. But I'm glad that living in an apostate nation, living in an apostate world, we aren't apostate. We've been returned back to the faith of the apostles. 
Oh, hallelujah. Instead of becoming pasta, apostate and blending out our own foam of shame, we're not trying to produce that sort of thing. We want our hearts turned back to the original faith. Oh, hallelujah. Notice this in Matthew 12, 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house. Now watch. He knows this house has no token on it, which is a change of title and a change of ownership. So this unclean spirit went out of this house on his own accord. Notice how Jesus uses this as a parable and identifies with us in a realm of the supernatural that demons can leave at will and can come back at will. But if a man of God cast a devil out of you, this scripture is not that scripture. If a man of God cast a devil out of you, it's a different thing. This, that demon left out his own will. Brother West, prays for you. Brother Darrell, myself, any other brothers. Satan, in the name of Jesus, come out of this brother. Leave this sister in the name of Jesus. And they put their will in behind that decree of faith. That demon has no more right to come back in unless you allow him to. Right. But you see, when an individual is flirting with sin, and they're doing this wrong and that wrong. Oh, I know I shouldn't do it. I know I shouldn't, but I want to. I want to. You see, that spirit can come and go at leisure. And he identifies this house as my house. My mouth. Then he says, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty swept and garnished. Notice, empty. It means to be at leisure, to be idle, to be unoccupied. Now this is why he knows it's still his house. The house had been saved. The man, the woman, whatever it was. Oh, God save me. God save me. Forgive me of my sins. God does that. God forgives him. Oh God, Lord, please help me to lay aside this drinking. Lord, help me to lay aside this bad habit. And God helps him. The house is swept. Sweep out that alcohol. Sweep out them cigarettes. But notice the first thing Jesus uses to describe the house. It's empty. Empty. Swept means sweep. Clean by sweeping. So it took a preacher with a broom, apparently, to get up there and do a little bit of leading of the Holy Ghost, be led by the Spirit of God, and go down this avenue and that avenue. And you know, when you, when you live in a dusty house, if it's pretty dusty, it can raise quite a ruckus. I tell you, I don't like cleaning houses, but it's what I'm called to be. I'm a house cleaner. Amen. I'm telling you, I get in some real messes at times. I feel like I'm cleaning out septic tanks. Sometimes the way that people live. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. 
That's right. But yet it was swept clean. So notice the work that was done in this house. This individual had to believe God. They asked God for forgiveness. They asked God to help them. And then they made offer a man of God, please tell me, what can I do? Preach the word to me. Help me. So the man of God takes the broom and he goes to sweeping and sweeping. Remember the woman that lost the coins? And what she do? She got that broom and she went to sweeping until she found that which was lost. So here the house was empty, swept, and the last word, garnished, which means to put in order, arrange, make ready, prepare, to ornament, adore, metaphorically, to embellish with honor or gain honor. So here this individual went to a lot of work, and then this span of time might have covered several years. It might have been over five years, six years, ten years, who knows? It could have been a long time to get all this done in their heart. But when the demon went to looking at it, quitting smoking, quitting drinking, quitting running around, all that meant nothing. That demon looked at all that progress and looked at all that work. And because the cigarettes was no longer there, the drinking was no longer there, that didn't scare that devil of, oh, oh I can't go around it. He still called it his house. There's one thing, friends. That'll change the ownership. The true baptism of the Holy Ghost. Our young people must get it. Our old people, our middle-aged, every one of us must have this. Don't you understand what's happening to people around the world? That this same thing is going on. So this demon is ironically represented as implying that he left his victim at will. He left him. I've dealt with, with many casting out devils and people through the years and pray for them. Oh my, some horrific things that you see. Awful, awful things that you deal with. And I've seen the time when that demon-possessed person would actually enter into a spot and their voice would change. And if it was a woman, maybe my mind comes to a, a little small woman one time that I was praying for. And this woman as I entered into the place where she was, and this woman, her voice changed to the voice of a man. And this man's voice started pointing its finger at me and said, get him out of here, get him out of here. Several people there in the room trying to hold her down, trying to, oh my, the power of Satan so demonstrated in this woman's life. And yet, you see them where they will go and go and you pray and you pray and you pray. And I've seen them to where that devil will actually try to trick you. And he will make the person sick and make them vomit. And they will think that demon has left them. Sometimes even the ministry will think it's left them. But I like to watch what happens after they vomit. I don't want to make you sick now. I want to see what kind of life they live. I want to see if the traits of that demon still comes back or has a new resident moved in and there's been a title change. Now, I watched one individual several years ago and I saw a thing and I saw the spirit of God and the presence of God would come into the room where I was in such a great way and some others are praying with me and the anointing, it was just so powerful it'd feel like it's gonna pack you out of the place. 
And I prayed until I was soaking wet. There was not a dry thread left on me. I was dressed in service. And the, the other people that was with me and the individual that we were dealing with actually passed out. And I, I watched this individual to see what happened thereafter. And I, I wanted to go back and talk to the individual and try to discern by the Spirit of God and see what was there. Carol asked me after we left, what do you think? He said, no, nah, he's still there. Didn't leave. But it didn't make no difference how much I thought. You see, if the individual believed that demon left, there was nothing I could do. So when the unclean spirit here, Jesus shows it, it goes out on its own. What's it doing? It's just kind of taking a walk. It just kind of leaves that. Maybe it's for a religious person that wants to deceive this individual. They'll get shouting around a little bit and think they got delivered, you know, and they feel a little better. And oh my, they feel clean and they feel washed. And my, then they go through this process. And then this devil comes back and says, I, I really like living on that old boy. I'm, I'm going to go back and just check it out. Somehow when they look, they see the ownership of the title has not been changed. No new birth. No changing of the nature. Notice Jesus says, O oh Lord God, he goeth and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Now we know that demons are in degrees because God created angels in degrees. And when these demons, which were previously angels, fell, they brought their degree of designation with them in the kingdom of hell. So there are certain demons that are a hierarchy because they were a hierarchy in heaven. So here, this demon that was in this individual was bad enough. But watch what he does. When he goes back to his house and this person has now been to church and shouted, we'll say, and danced and, you know, believe the message, we'll say, and read their Bible and done all kinds of things. And this demon comes back to look at the house and he said, there's no seal. You see, whenever they applied the blood over the doorpost, that blood would run down over the name because the name was on the doorpost. So it identified the name, which was the family, and everybody under that family name in the house, under the blood and the angel of death, had to pass by. So when this spirit comes back, he looks, and he says, huh, no resident, empty. It's swept, don't smoke no more, don't cuss no more, don't lie no more, but it's still empty. My, they spent all that time working all this stuff out, and my, my, they went to church, and they paid their tithes, and they done this and that and the other, and they got so many things in order. And then he speaks to these other buddies of his, which are meaner, more wicked, more vile than himself. Then here comes this demon and seven other worse than himself and enter back into that individual. Now then you take that individual and let them backslide out of church, give them a computer with Facebook or let them do this and that and the other and you look at them and think, what in the world has happened to them. I used to sit by that person in a pew in church. I used to know this person. They was my neighbor. What in the world? Right here. Right here. I'm not trying to scare you tonight, and in one way, I am. I want you to understand 
It's too late to play church. We are in a demonic warfare. Our nation, our world, we do not need to play church. If we was ever serious with God, we need to be serious. We want to make sure that we not only look the part. You imagine this person right here was called brother or sister. They would have fit the part of any holiness church, any good message church. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Why? Everything was put in order. So they knew how to dress. They knew how to walk. They knew the right things to say. They had been put in order. How can you do that? They had been listening to a ministry. That's what the ministry does. The ministry places you in order. They had been listening, but they still hadn't got the Holy Ghost. When that demon come back, the first thing that he looked at was, wow, beautiful, clean. I love messing up clean houses. Can you imagine these demons love tormenting evil people that are born evil? But Brother Darrell, how they must love getting in a clean house. They are so wicked and so evil themselves. They must love walking into a clean, sanctified house. You go to striking that desire for pornography or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever it is. Or worse than that, religious devils. It's the worst kind. You see, for many that have left the message, they've turned into agnostics and infidels. They don't believe in God no more. Probably actually more bigger chance of them ever, ever come back to God than it is those that get a religious spirit and they know so much about God, you can't tell them nothing. Because that's the worst kind. And the prophet of God tells us every devil in hell is religious. I don't want to be religious. I want to be saved. Can we stand? Let me read this verse 45 again. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there. Now let's not just place the scripture on individuals and maybe family members or friends or so on, but let's think about it as a nation, as a world. Our God has sent seven church ages. Those men of God cast out the spirits of that day, Brother Darrell, and delivered the people of that day. We know the reward accumulates down through the seven church ages and the warfare of hell is now accumulated the same way in the last days. The very door, the very door, Jesus standing there knocking, trying to get in. And it was our church age that put him out. And once you turn him down, he wanted, what what was he doing? Standing on the outside of that empty heart, trying to get in. But the latch was on the inside. And they wouldn't open up. If you'll open the door, I'll come in and sup with you. And that word is have supper. Can you imagine the Lord God wanting to come into our house and Brother Louis have supper with us? I'll have supper with you if you'll let me. I'll drink with you and sup with you and we'll fellowship. 
But Laodicea said, we don't want you. We don't want your word. We don't want your prophet. We don't want you telling us how to live. We don't want, we want your cross and we want your eternal life. But don't you try to tell us how to live. Well, unless you will allow him to tell you how to live, you're not his wife. Praise the Lord. Would any of you brothers looking for a wife want to marry a woman that said, well, I, 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 I want you to feed me and I want you to take care of me, but you ain't going to tell me how to live. If I want boyfriends, I'm going to go out there and get them. If I want to wear a mini dress, you ain't telling me how to dress. I don't, I, I don't think there's anybody here who would want that kind of a wife. No man in the right mind would. That's what the church is telling Jesus. You keep your hole in the stuff to yourself. Don't you tell us how to live, but we're going to be your bride because we say so. That ain't the way it works. Amen, We're his bride because he says so. Amen. And then our lives match what he says. Amen. Oh, what a sad time. What a heart-wrenching, heartbreaking time of apostasy. But what a glorious time that in the middle of such tomirot, in the middle of such putrefaction, in the middle of such apostasy, God has a people whose hearts have been turned back to the original faith of the apostolic fathers. Simon Peter could walk right in that door, that door, or that door and preach this same sermon that he preached 2,000 years ago. And I believe, I know you all well enough to know tonight, you wouldn't get up and walk out on him. You wouldn't pout. You wouldn't get mad. You'd do the same thing you'd done to me. You'd say, amen, Peter. Amen, brother Peter. Preach it, buddy. That's right. That's right. Why? Because we got the same spirit. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Oh, Lord Jesus. Whether the handful that's here with us tonight or the many more that will string this service or archive it, may the Spirit of God be able to search your heart. May God help you, young people, men, women, elders, whoever you are. There's a time, my friend, that we need to be so absolutely certain. I believe it's this time. We don't want this to happen to us, that the unclean spirit comes back and he calls it his house, and he's rightfully so, saying it because it is the truth. Maybe if you're there in your home or in your car, wherever you are, and you know that you love the Lord and you know that God has done something for you, and I'm not here tonight to belittle that, but you need more than sweeping. You need more than order. You need more than orchestration. Oh, that is a great work, but you need an inhabitant. Hallelujah. You need an inhabitant in your house. The power of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There in your car, in your home, your living room, if it's never happened to you, brother, if it's never happened to your sister, why don't you just open your heart? May the Lord Jesus that's standing outside the door. You're familiar with the story of the artist that painted it many, many years ago. The critics saw his painting and said, 
It's a very beautiful painting, sir. This and they began to describe this and that. But they said there's one fault. You have the door there, but you have no latch on the outside. He said, oh, but you see, sirs, I painted it thus. For the latch is on the inside. We must open and let him in. Maybe you've kept Jesus at bay, young man, young woman. You've been doing things in your life. You know it's not right. You know it ain't right. But you've kept on doing it. I'm warning you tonight, in the name of the Lord Jesus, if you don't stop playing with sin, worse will come upon you. Listen to me as your pastor. I love you. If you don't stop the entrance of these things and you think you've got these things under control and you're flirting with them, take warning tonight. You cannot take fire into your bosom and not be burned. That unclean spirit will bring another and another and another. Lord Jesus, So we have our heads bowed, Father, to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken. God, I ask you that you'd help us. Lord, begin with me tonight, Father. Search me, Lord. Try me. See if you see anything in me, Lord, that's not like you. Any attitude anything that I need to make right with anybody in the world, show me tonight, Lord God, and I'll do it. If there's one person, Lord God, if there's anything I need to do, show me. Lord, my greatest desire is to be saved, to be your child, to walk in harmony with you. I want nothing in my way. Help me, Lord. Then, Father, I pray For the brothers here on the platform, the brothers and the sisters that share in the auditorium, those upstairs, those, Father, that have streamed, move on every heart, Lord. Maybe you find one, maybe you find many that are empty, swept, and garnished. But may that description be changed tonight. May the word empty be taken out of the terms that describe that young man, that young woman. May that word be changed from empty to full, swept, and garnished. Maybe it's an older man in his 70s, an elder sister in her 80s, and she's never yet fully committed to you to receive you into her soul. May it happen, Lord, while she sits there, her hand trembling with old age. May you come right down in her living room. Father, may the Holy Ghost sweep right down in their homes tonight, Lord God, in their cars, in their offices. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. May eternal life, the very breath of God, sweep in folks' homes, in their living rooms, in their cars. Lord Jesus, may they find the door swung wide open. May you enter into the door and may you slam the door in the devil's face. And if that unclean spirit ever tries to come back, he'll find the house full, swept, and in order. We still have to sweep 
because this old flesh ain't saved. We still have to be put in order every now and then. We're still humans. We make mistakes. We know that. We hate it. I hate it when I make a mistake. God, I hate it. But the prophet said, we mustn't look at that because we'll always have them. But what we look at is our desire. And all of our mistakes are washed in the blood of Jesus. It's not that Satan looks to see if I'm mistake free or not. It's not that he looks to see if my voice is on pitch or not. He looks to see if the house is full. It has an occupant, not just any occupant, but Almighty God Himself. If you're living in that soul, we don't have to worry about the devil climbing in a window and setting up him a bed in another bedroom. If he's the pilot of our life and we're the co-pilot, we don't have to worry about the devil standing on the side of the road wanting to hitchhike a ride with us. He sees Jesus in the driver's seat. He don't want nothing to do with that car. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, fill us, Lord. Lord God, no doubt there's many believers tonight that's already received the Holy Ghost. But Father, maybe they just need a refilling, a refreshing, Lord. We've had such a year. We've had such strain, Lord, such difficulty, sickness, death. Lord, just hearing this week of a pastor in Durban, Lord, with COVID. His son having COVID. The pastor dying and the son dying. Both of them Christians, believers, within a few hours apart. I pray for that church tonight, Lord, that family. So many, Father, have suffered so much. Lord God, may your comfort, I pray tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus, strengthen your people, Lord. Strengthen your people that's weary and tired. And we want to let the devil know something tonight. Are we tired? Yes, we don't deny that. Are we weary? We are. But we're not tired and weary in the aspect that we're going to quit. It's kind of like whenever we do a hard day's work and we're looking forward to the end of that day. But it don't mean we're quitting work. It just means we're finished for that day. And Lord willing, we'll be back on the job tomorrow. Hallelujah. We want to... Serve notice on the devil tonight. We're tired. We're weary. But we're not about to give up. We're not about to quit. As a matter of fact, Lord willing, we'll be back here Sunday. As a matter of fact, we'll be ready to meet you again tomorrow, devil. We're not going to wait till Sunday to meet you. We just might need a little bit of rest and a little refreshing tonight. But we'll be fine by 7 in the morning. So you better watch out. Because it ain't us that's so mighty. It ain't us that's so big. It's him who lives in our soul. It's the occupant in our being. You ain't afraid of me, but you have to back down when he speaks. Lord, bring healing. Bring refreshing to that sister, to that young person, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, those that are now weeping in your presence, may the Spirit of God just come right down and minister strength to them, healing to the sick. Oh, hallelujah. Grant it, Lord God. Grant it, Lord God. Oh, breath of God, breathe on us tonight, Jesus. 
We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Breathe on me tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. I need wisdom, Lord, to lead your people. I need guidance, God. I need strength. I need courage, Father. Help me, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. Can we just worship him a little bit before we go? Don't you count it an honor and a privilege to be a house that God lives in? Aren't you glad your house is not just swept and garnished, but it's full, full of His presence, full of joy, full of mercy. Paul said that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Praise be to God. We worship you tonight, Lord. Oh, I want more. I want more, Jesus. I've been living for you, Lord, since I was a little boy. But I need more of you now than ever before. Lord God, for 52 years I've been trying to walk your way as far as what I knew it. I need you now, Jesus, more than ever. I didn't get saved when I come to this message. I was saved years before that. I already knew you. I'd already met you. This message only shed more light on my past. But I already knew you, Lord. You're not a book to me. You're not a doctrine. You're a person. It was you that I used to meet down in them hollers down in Kentucky. Little did I know one day when I was down there praying down by the spring, there was a man up through there walking around. He heard me down there and I was calling on the name of the Lord, being the pastor of the church there in Kentucky. He sat down over near where it was, sat and listened to me pray for a long time. Left out of there and went and told his wife, went and told some neighbors. I heard about it a couple of weeks later that he heard a man calling on the name of God and he sensed the presence of the Lord come down in the woods because you was there, not me, Lord. Oh, Jesus, would you visit us this way tonight, Father? We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. I bless your name. I worship you. I speak to this COVID disease out of hell. Demons of flu, sickness, demons of fear. And I say to you, host of Satan, you are defeated by the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We stand as little David against you. You might be big and you might think you're powerful, but we got our little sling in our hand and we're slinging it around with the F-A-I-T-H and J-E-S-U-S-T-R-A-C-E. And we say to you, you are defeated by the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, you may laugh at us, Goliath, and you may mock, but we'll get the last laugh on you. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Lead us in something, Harry. We worship you tonight, Father. Bless your name.
if I'm full, swept, and garnished. It sounds like I'm a person that's a candidate to worship in spirit and in truth. Acceptable in the courts of the Almighty and the august courts of El Shaddai. We worship you tonight, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I bless your name, Jesus. I bless your name, Lord God. I worship you, Father. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. Right now. Just worship him right there in your living room, in your kitchen, in your car. Hallelujah. We lift our hands. We lift our hands. We bow our knees. Lord God, we bow our knees. And and worship at your Everybody together now.
beat you, Lord. I don't want to even walk without you holding my hand, Lord. Lord, I don't want to take a step without you, God. I need you, Lord. I need your leadership, Lord. I need your presence, Lord. I need your wisdom, God. I need your love, Lord. I need your strength, your joy. I need your virtue, Lord. I need your character, Lord God. I need your healing. I need your deliverance. I need your overcoming power. I need your life, Lord Jesus. Oh, breathe upon us, Lord God. Even as your word said, you breathed upon Adam. He came to himself. Became a living soul, oh God. Breathe upon us tonight, oh God. Breathe upon us. May we come to ourselves, Lord. May we come to that image, oh God, that you had of us in your mind before there was a world, before there was a molecule, Lord. We was with you, God. There's only one form of eternal life. That's you, Lord. We was in your thinking. We were in your thoughts, God. You wrote us in the book, Lord. But we need you to manifest, Lord. We need you to manifest what we are, Lord Jesus. Oh God, I pray for the young people, Lord. I pray for those that are hurting tonight, those that are sick, Lord. Father, that sister, Sister Gladys, Lord, is having trouble swallowing from the cancer, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. May the Holy Spirit move upon her right now, Lord. May she eat, God. May she sit at your table and eat, Lord, I pray tonight. For thou art God, and beside thee there is none other, Lord. That young man, God, is thinking of taking his life, Lord. Oh, God, may he realize Jesus. And longing in his feeling is you, Lord, longing to come into his being, to make him complete, Lord. Oh, God, grant it tonight, I pray. May we be willing, Lord, to give ourselves away. May we be willing, Lord, to give ourselves away that, that our hands would be energized because you're in us, that our eyes would be energized because you're seeing through them, Lord. Grant it, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord. Lord, I pray for our nation, God. Oh, God. Lord, it's so heavy, Lord. I pray for our nation, God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be the light, Lord. Help us, God, to be the light, to be our brother's keeper. Grant it, Lord Jesus, I pray tonight. Thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for the word that has the ability to reach into the depths of a man's soul and turn the light on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, how we need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Right now, Lord. Oh, I need you, Lord. 
need you, Lord, right now. Yes, Lord Jesus. I lift my hands and I bow my knees to the God who created me. Worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Hallelujah. Let's just sing it one more time, can we now? We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We need you, Lord. saints certainly enjoyed the word of the Lord this evening that cuts to the very marrow of our bones makes us look deep inside of ourselves thankful for a man of God who will tell you the truth amen you know I'm grateful to be living in this hour to see the manifestation of the sons of God to see the accumulation of all the previous ages come up to be manifested in the hour that we're living in, that the fullness of the Word of God will be on display once more in our generation, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what a privileged people we are that by His grace, He has called us to this place and time to be a part of this ministry, amen. The bride's ministry, which is his ministry, a continuation of his ministry, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, life of his life, spirit of his spirit, word of his word, she is him, the final voice to the final age. This message came to give this bride a voice, amen. A voice of authority, oh glory to God. The voice of authority to speak in this hour, to speak precious words of life. What a privileged people we are, friends. May God be with you in your home, in your car, wherever you're at. And may the Lord richly bless you. We love you. We thank God for his mercy and his grace. And Brother West, we love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Bless you all. Fought many a battle down at Alton together. Appreciate you. Our brothers, the deacons, trustees, and all the, the family of God. What a day it'll be, friends. Brother Louis singing about that land beyond the river. It's more real to this. We all gather there. Oh, friends, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Find your place at the table. Go be some good eating. Amen. May the Lord bless you richly. Remember the service Sunday morning. 
Group A, Team A, Bride A. <laughs> we'll be here Sunday morning. I guess be wearing masks too, Brother Donnie. I guess be wearing your mask too. May the Lord richly bless you. Go in the fear of the Lord. Looking forward to some great testimonies from this service tonight. Amen. Amen. I, I, I just share something with you. Is that all right, Brother Donnie? If I just, I just share just before we go. I was up at Brother Mike Walls' church, uh, Brother Mike's daddy's church over the weekend for, for New Year's Eve service. And there was a, a Congo brother up there. I believe he's 41 year old. And he had slipped into a coma. And uh, I'm not even sure if they exactly knew what was wrong with the man, but it was bad. It was so bad that they actually had called his wife in to see him for the last time. And his body was all swelled up. And, and Brother Mike was telling me that they told his wife, said, now we'll, we'll cut his ring off so you can have his ring. And she said, don't you touch his ring. Now, and she, they had two, two, two children and she was pregnant with the third child. And this, this man slipped into the coma and it was in this condition. And so New Year's Eve, was when the word was going forth and the... Uh, the sister was streaming online and she got to believing that the word was speaking to her and that she was not she's going to grab on to Jesus for the healing of her husband and was not letting go she's going to hold on to see her husband delivered and I, like the shoot him out woman she's declaring that all is well even though the doctors are saying there's no hope and while she was just listening to the word of God something spoke to her and said call the hospital and she called the hospital and the nurse said oh I'm so glad you called said your husband just woke up and he started talking and and she was just so excited and so she gets up on January the 2nd because she's she's heavy with her with the third child and she goes to the bathroom and she goes into labor so they rush her to the same hospital that her husband's in and she has their third child at the hospital and they bring her husband oh god they bring her husband down in a wheelchair to see his new baby that's the kind of god we serve friend He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. May the Lord bless you richly. Brother Harry, sing as happy as we leave here tonight. God bless you, saints. May the Lord richly bless you, be with you. Oh, I feel like traveling on, don't you? Amen. Thank you, Brother Donnie, for the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Sister Gentry, for the song. Thank you back, everybody. Good singing. Amen. God bless you all. Well, he's an on-time God, yes he is.
see it. 